Hi everyone, I'm Lee Savile-Iksik and this is the Arts Bound Podcast, where I speak with professionals from across the performing arts industries to capture bits of wisdom, insight, and inspiration for young people considering careers in music, theater, and dance. Today I'm talking with Jasper Van Dyke, who is a film score composer and sound designer living and working in LA. I'm especially excited and proud to have Jasper on the show because he was one of the first young people I worked with as he was making some pretty significant decisions about what his career would look like. Here's my conversation with Jasper. Hi Jasper. Hey Lee, how you doing? How's, I'm good, thanks. Thanks for uh, taking the time to, to be on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah. So in the intro, I uh, explained just uh, a brief synopsis of what you do in the performing arts industry, but um, I'm eager to have you um, explain a little bit more. But first, just for some context, I kind of like to give listeners just an idea of how um, how I am connected with uh, the different guests, just so that they can kind of have that context of our relationship. So um, you and I met when you were in seventh grade, I think. I believe it was sixth, actually. Or, or maybe okay, maybe sixth. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, you were in middle school. I was um, your middle school music teacher. That's right. And eventually, um, you joined the the middle school choir that I conducted, and um, you know, kind of went from from being this kind of shy, timid. Uh, middle school to eventually being lead in the musical that I directed and, um, and, you know, lots of things in between. And the, the story that I like to share about you is I think it was the spring of your junior year whenever the year was wrapping up and, uh, we were in the auditorium after, after school and you were sitting on the stage playing piano. And I think, you know, maybe a few friends were hanging around and, um, I just listened to you play and I'm like, the, the world needs to hear Jasper Van Dyke's music. And, um, and I asked you what you were doing that summer and you said, uh, life garden. <laughs> and, um, you know, no offense to lifeguards. Right. I lifeguarded for like six years, <laughs> but, um, but. I knew that you had something that you could develop. And um, so that summer, uh, we did composition lessons together up in Ithaca, New York. That's right. And, um, and then the following year, we worked together on your application to Berkeley. That's right. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's been a ride. And, and I got to say, yeah, it's... It was always a pipe dream getting into music. It was never a reality until you and I started really talking about it and until pretty much around that time, end of junior year, where you sort of helped guide me and helped dial in what I, what, like what I'm good at and where my skills are at. Um, but that was a, that was a really pivotal time, uh, in my high school career there that especially that yeah. trip to Ithaca, it was really cool. Just being yeah, able sure. to see the conservatory lifestyle as well a little bit helped give context to what I might be or might not be getting myself into. <laughs> so yeah, that was, that was a real pleasure. Yeah. So, um, maybe we'll talk more about kind of that, that transition and that pivot in, in, 
kind of where you were, where you thought you were maybe headed uh, career-wise and where you ended up. But why don't you start by just like digging a little bit more into what you do as a professional now mm-hmm. and um, maybe start there and then back up and, and talk a little bit about your time at Berkeley and how it got you ready for what you're doing now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, right now I am in, based in L.A., uh, and I have a few jobs, but my main job, I suppose, is uh, being a technical score assistant um, for a composer at um, Remote Control, which is a film studio, a film music studio in Santa Monica. Um, it was founded by Hans Zimmer, uh, and he sort of just like built this empire, and I was fortunate enough to know someone who worked there who went to Berkeley um, who sort of got me the interview and that's how I got started there and I've been working there ever since and that was that was last June of 2019 that I started there so that's something I do um, and on the side I do a lot of podcast production um, I'm diving a bit more into the sound design space uh, as it is very musical in its own length, it's very. There's the same vocabulary there that I that I'm so familiar with. I guess um, with articulations, dynamics, tempo, expression, it's all there, just in a different mm-hmm. format, I suppose. But sure, yeah, that's that's what I'm up to now. <laughs> very cool. So, um, what does your what's your day to day as as a score? Um, assistant. Tell me if I'm getting the title wrong. Yeah. Uh, score technical score assistant. What's that look like? Yeah, so it's it's very technical. I mean, there's there's very as of right now, there's not that much I do in terms of writing for shows. Um, I don't. I'm not a composer in in that capacity yet. Uh, but I was. But on a day to day basis, I will um, you know export all the MIDI from sessions and, and make scores for the players and just to get ready for the recording process and eventually like the dubbing process when it comes to like film. Um, so I should actually clarify that the department I work at at remote control is, is more the music library side of mm, okay. company. So they do a lot of TV music for TV shows, but it's but it's um, not specifically tailored to a project they're working on at that specific moment. They just write library music. So if you need an action cue or a drama cue, a producer from a television show can go to that library and pick something they like, and then the composers there get royalties if their music gets played. Um, right. So... In that way, it's very dynamic. We're never working on one project for very long. Um, it's so, yeah. It's, um, yeah. So it's 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 exciting. It's it's different every day, but mainly it's you know, I take their sessions, I export, I make the score, um, and sometimes they'll ask me to do like little extra things like uh, building instruments or. Um, maybe even a little bit of scoring here and there, but it's sure, sure. It, it works. You have to sort of work your way up the ladder. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and I was going to say, for just for more context, this is this is definitely 
an entry level gig yes. within the world of film music. Um, you just graduated from Berkeley in uh, the winter of 2018. In the winter of 2018, yep. so um, really just just recently, yeah, um, just a little over a year ago, yeah, yeah, no, it's, yeah, and it's it's crazy. A lot of people struggle to find work in LA, and I think it's in in general in music, and I think everyone knows that. Um, and I think once you do get your foot in something, it's you wanna you wanna hold on to that for as long and as tightly as you can. Um, because they are rare gems, but I, I was—I'm very lucky to be working there right now. Because it's great exposure. Um, I'm working with very talented people, and I, I'm able to see sort of, you know, how good I I can still get at this this craft that is what seems like never ending, a never ending pursuit. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, um, so talk a little bit about Berkeley. What what did you study there? What was the what was the path that kind of uh, set you on course to, to be where you are now? Yeah. Um, so, Lee, you know my parents and and their sort of pragmatism and my dad's sort of business <laughs> side. And he was a bit skeptical about me going into the field. So he wanted to make it clear that, you know, if you're going to go to Berkeley, be as versatile and as well-rounded as possible. Mm -hmm. um, so that was definitely the idea going into it at first. Um, I knew that I wanted to do some type of composing, some type of creative thing. Um, and it was, at first, it was sort of deciding, okay, what do I pair that with um, to, make, to make myself sort of a jack-of-all-trades uh, and to, be, to make myself more marketable. Um, so right. I, and, and your, your declared major going in was film score, right? Yeah, that was definitely, that was the first one, film scoring. Um, and, uh, I was deciding between uh, like a music business pairing with that or another sort of creative major to pair with that. And I decided to choose the latter and choose more of a, a sound design route to accompany that. Um, and that major was called electronic production and design. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I think those go well together. And I think the reason why I decided to do both creative, uh, um, majors is because a lot of the music that I'm into as well is kind of experimental. And I thought, mm. you know, I could learn the sound design space, and apply it to music, and also vice versa. I could apply music and get good at sound design. Um, so it was it was a win win in that sense. And I mean, what EPD really prepared me for is, um, you know, as the title suggests, electronic production and design. You, we get a lot of hands on experience with the gear and the software that is required. Like to, you really have to know those things going in to a technical yeah. field um, like film scoring is also technical. We use Pro Tools. We use Cubase. We're on mixing consoles. Um, and now as a technical assistant, I'm, I'm, I need to know sort of the routing and like, and how everything works. Cause if there's a problem, my composer isn't going to fix it himself. He's going to get me work <laughs> and get me to work mm -hmm. on it. Uh, so that I'm, I'm very glad I chose electronic production design as my second major there. Um, cause it just sort of opened up the more, uh, technical 
uh, skill sets. It, it created more opportunity on, on the technical side of things. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So I'm thinking, you know, what you talk about with your work at Remote Control, a lot of it is processing music that other people are writing. But, um, you know, to be fair, you do uh, a substantial amount of composition yourself. You've got a a fantastic portfolio online. And um, I know that some of that is just projects that you do on the side with friends and other people and contacts that you know. Mm -hmm. Some of it were were probably class projects that you did while you were at Berkeley. Mm Tell me about one or two things that you're like most proud of or a project that was really particularly interesting. Hmm. Yeah, a few things come to mind. Um, Something I'm particularly proud of is sort of the last piece or the last project I did at Berkeley as sort of my thesis, um, I suppose. But it was was open-ended. We could do whatever we wanted. Uh, and a lot of people, you know, wrote music, a lot of people created softwares and algorithms and all these crazy things that write their own (laughs) music. And I was like, okay, that's a little beyond my scope. Uh, but I knew I wanted to do something with film or picture. So I, um, being in Boston, I guess there's, you have so many access to museums and, and cultural history. So I spent a lot of my time in Boston at museums and one painter specifically always came to mind. Um, his name was John Martin. Uh, he was a 19th century British painter and he did like these vast, crazy detailed paintings of like biblical stories, um, Mm. like the seven plagues and, uh, some of the, like the, um, revelations stories in the Bible. Like, so they, I mean, the imagery was beyond anything I could ever imagine. So I was like, wow, this is so cool. So what I did was, um, I just took the painting and I sort of scored it. I, I looked at each aspect of the painting and tried to just create a general mood, but also a story that sort of connected each thread and each aspect of the painting. Uh, and that was really cool. That was different. I, and I got some good feedback on that. But um, I'm not particularly proud of the execution. <laughs> it's like because you're always at the end of it like, oh, man, man I wish I could have done this. I wish I could have done that. And sure. that's, the, that's the never-ending. That's a tale as old as time when it comes to creatives, I suppose. But um, but I, I loved that idea. And I think now that we're talking about it, it's something I want to – maybe perfect over time. Hmm. Um, but that should be up on my website. I, it's not yet, but I, I should put it up there. Um, the piece I did specifically was the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. So there was a lot of like fire and brimstone and cool sound design. And yeah, so that was, that was fun. Uh, but, um, in terms of another project or yeah, another project I'm very proud of is, uh, this uh, full-length feature I did with a friend I met at Berkeley, um, and uh, and it's actually everyone who worked on that uh, were all very close friends. So the director and the writer is one of my close friends who we went to Boston University. Um, a lot of the cinematographers and producers were from the Boston area as well, and that's a group of people that I've been working with often, and I'm actually working on a short film right now with them as well. Uh, and 
So maybe I'm not particularly proud of the projects, but as this, the collective as a whole, like the fact that we're so trusting of each other and, and we're able to take liberties, but, but not sacrifice the integrity of the story. Cause I know that whatever the editors are going to do on their side is going to be what they're good at. And I, and like, it's yeah. like I trust that cause it's their creative outlet. And this, the same goes for me. Like they have obviously feedback and notes, but they're like, they, basically give it to me like a playground they're like just have fun and and let's make this the best thing we can make it and, and i think now in, at this stage of my career that is exactly what i should be doing right now because it's like just having fun with it and taking risks and building relationships i think is all is all part of that package yeah that's a dream yeah that's great yeah so that's been fun and, and, and the, the funding is never like crazy high with that it's, it's usually pro bono but the way i justify it is you know, it's like, I don't need that money right now. And I'm not going to, and, you know, we can talk about this in fuller detail, but money is a huge side of this. It's like, you can't do music or arts if you're not making money. So it's always a weird thing to ask for it. Um, but you need to, when you need to, you can't work for free. Uh, but with these guys, I, I, I sometimes will do it pro bono because I'm investing in that relationship. And I expect more projects to come out of that in return. Um, because I know they're going to do really cool things and I believe in their visions. So that's, that's a really cool facet of that relationship. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, let's, let's talk about money. Good. <laughs> um, because, uh, as you noted, that was your parents and your your dad, especially one of the apprehensions when you were making this decision to go in the music. Um, with the the young artists that I work with through Artsbound, um, you know, one that's one of the things is like I don't know how I can do this um, and still make a living or support a family or you know parents are concerned about that um, and. Uh, and really, you were one of the first young artists that I worked with that um, that kind of where we wrestled with that um, and kind of came out the other side of it and said, yeah, like, yes, let's do this. So um, so why don't you talk about talk about, you know, what it's like to, I guess, make ends meet mm. now as you're living in L.A., yeah. a very expensive place to live. Mm -hmm. um, you know, another thing that uh, I always try to look at with uh, the young artists that I'm working with is is um, is lifestyle. Mm. So we can, you know, we can talk about that and, and, you know, maybe even talk a little bit about, you know, what those conversations were like with your parents when you were still in high school making these decisions. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely a lot of, I had to do a lot of heavy lifting with convincing my dad in the beginning there. Um, he is an amazing guy and has put so much trust in me to figure this out. And, you know, he's always there for financial support or advice if I need it, which I'm very lucky and, to have. And, and hugely supportive of you and your siblings. Oh, very, very. Yeah. 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 yeah I've, you know, all yeah, exactly. All three sisters, same thing. Um, and he likes to dream big too. And he, he knows that, you know, life is unpredictable and, and you can really do some cool stuff with the arts. And, you know, there's not a lot of music or not a lot, there's not a lot of funding in it very early on, but you know, it's like, there is money and it. it's entertainment. People want it. Um, right. 
there's a huge demand for it. So it's just navigating that. Um, and I think, I think you have to make some sacrifices when it comes to <laughs> lifestyle. I mean, let me, let me give you a paint, like, let me just paint you a picture for the first few months I was out here, uh, because it was definitely not the most healthy lifestyle. <laughs> I, I mean, working, so I, when I got the job at remote control, they, they needed me to start right away because they were working on, um, the BBC planet earth, like the next installment of the BBC planet earth series, uh, which is a huge project, uh, just considering how many episodes there are and how long they are and how much that relies on the music. Yeah. Um, so they needed me right away. And I was like, okay, I, I'm nothing, I'm not doing anything else. And this is a great opportunity. So I'm going to give you my all little did I know and, what that means. <laughs> right. And, and I think you, I think you told me before we started recording, you went out to LA without any gigs lined up. That's right. Right. Yeah. That's you right. just, you took the leap. I took the leap. Um, Spent the first two weeks just meeting up with anyone I possibly had any kind of relationship with. I made so many cold calls to production companies, so many cold emails, just anything I could do. Uh, I spent a lot of money on Ubers and public transportation because I didn't have a car in L.A. So that was like, I mean, it was definitely not sustainable. But, you know, God provided. Something happened. I got lucky. And um, I had this in at remote control. And um, it was 24-7. It was around-the-clock grinding. Um, and not only that, it was I was living in Orange County at the time because I was living with a, f- uh, a few family friends for free uh, because we, we had knew, we'd known them through um, family relationships, uh, which was also a huge blessing. Don't know if I could have mm-hmm. done that without that little support. Um, but... That also means that I was commuting from Orange County to Santa Monica every day. And those of you who aren't familiar with L.A. geography, that's a two-hour commute uh, with traffic. You know, if, if, if there's no traffic, maybe an hour and a half, hour 15, but lengthy. <laughs> and that's up and back. So I'm commuting four to five hours a day. Um, and, you know, the day will start at 10 a.m. and I won't get back until 4 a.m. And then it's, you know, I repeat the next day, <laughs> no breaks. So that was three months of my life, just being at their beck and call and just 24 seven on call. And I think that's really what it took for me to, to get plugged in there and to, to build trust there and to have them value me as an employee there. But it, it wasn't easy. <laughs> and, and I, sure. and looking back, I definitely don't want to ever do that again <laughs> because <laughs> just the little sleep I had and, and the and how stressed I was uh, was definitely not healthy. But it's what's cool about LA, though. Um, to give some silver line to this is that everyone is in it together. Like, there's not a mm-hmm. single artist out here that's succeeding in their art uh, and not working hard as well. Um, so it's call it a rite of passage, um, but it's it, it feels good when you're a part of it with everyone and people you meet are working equally, if not harder than you. <laughs> so it's, it's very, it's, it's inspiring. Um, uh, yeah, to say the least. Um, yeah. so, I mean, making ends meet, I, I mean, I remember as well, just 
in the beginning, you know, my dream job is not obviously to be a score assistant. Uh, it's to actually one day compose music for films and, and do sound design for films. And, uh, but it's, I really had to open up my, I had to lower my standard a little bit because I know that, you know, it's one in a billion to just get an amazing project right up when you're 24 years old and to make it, you know, when you're that young, that's virtually impossible. And when you see that it's easy to convince that you're not doing, it's easier to convince yourself that you're not doing enough when you see that, but it's, mm. that is a very outlying situation. <laughs> right. So I had to maybe not lower my standards, but uh, I don't know, open my horizons a little bit. So I, I mean, I applied to video hardware stores, even just something that had to do with film and music. And, and you can stretch that as thin as you can, <laughs> but, um, sure. but yeah, I was open to anything. And I think that's what allowed that, that foot in the door. I think it was that willingness to, to do whatever it takes. Yeah. And you talked a little bit about, you know, it was a connection that you had through Berkeley mm-hmm. that, you know, so, you know, is it true that they, what they say that uh, it's all about who you know uh, in the business? Yeah, yeah. And, and my partner's father also drilled that into me that, like, now is not the time to be negotiating between whether you get paid $1,000 for this project or $1,200 for this project. That extra $200 is not going to make or break your situation. Like, the most important part is... Are you building good relationships that will last? Um, and who 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 are those people that are in your circle of of network? Like, what does your network look like? Because you can have a lot of people that you know that are in the industry, but it's but you want to know the right people too. Um, mm-hmm. You want to know people that are really good at their craft, um, that are able to recommend you. Uh, because you are good at your craft. And, and, and I don't know, I think finding those people is challenging because it sometimes requires having to actually work with them to sort of build that foundation. But uh, the more you can do that, I think the better. The more people you, get, you know and can demonstrate your skills to and, and can help them in return possibly, like that, the better, I think. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I've had basically two major jobs in my career thus far, um, in addition to doing lots of little things, um, side projects, et cetera. But um, the two major jobs where the, the ones that have supported me and my family and um, you know put a roof our, over our head, both of them, uh, I was recommended by, if not someone on the inside, someone who had a very close relationship with someone on the inside. Right. And, um, and it, I, I do believe that it makes all the difference. And you've done a great job of highlighting how important it is to be really the the word that comes to mind is aggressive just just like i am going to call people i am going to introduce myself i'm going to let people know that i exist and that i'm interested in the work that they're doing and that i'm interested in working with them and the more that you do that um you know there's always this kind of this balance between, well, uh, is this 
is this all because of fate? Like, you know, was I kind of meant to meet this person or this, you know, this was just bound to happen or whatever uh, versus, oh, well, you know, oh, no, that wouldn't have happened if I did this. I, I think that we I think that we make opportunity for for destiny to happen. Right. Yeah. Um, and so we can uh, we can be idle about that um, and kind of wait around like, oh, my break will come someday or we can do exactly what you said and um, work really hard and just let people know that you exist. And um, by doing that, the right door is more likely to open. Right. Right. Uh, it's 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 really good you say that because I remember being at Berkeley you know, they try to be real with you because <laughs> I, I think when you're at Berkeley, it's at, at, at any music college, you're protected. There's like a little net around you. Nothing can hurt you. Like, you know, if you sure. fail this project, you're not fired. You're, you get to just come show up to class the next day and try again. Um, but they try to drill into us that you will need some luck to make it in this industry. And like, and that was always something I, hated to hear i hated to hear mm-hmm. oh you need luck because it's like out of your control and you don't know when you're going to get lucky and you don't know mm-hmm. it's it's unpredictable when that's going to happen but something i realized near the very near the end of berkeley um was that like you said like we can be really planting the seeds to when that luck rolls around we're prepared and we can capitalize on that as much as possible um and and that's and that's you create your own luck for sure. I I one hundred percent stand behind that because yeah. that's the only that's the only way to do it. <laughs> you got to be aggressive. <laughs> There's nothing to lose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and and uh, you know this isn't my thought. This is uh, straight out of Stephen Covey, the uh, the age old mm. Seven Habits. Um, you know, there's so much that's out of our control. Right. And we can focus on that. And by doing that, we minimize the control that we have. And we minimize the power that we have in our own situation. But if we focus on the things that we do have influence on, we can actually grow that, that influence and the sense of um, agency that we have. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, I definitely think an important part of that is to still always enjoy what you're doing. Because <laughs> I think if, like, I, there are so many times where, with with sound design and sort of electronic production as that major, a lot of people were doing those like crazy coding things and like creating algorithms mm. and softwares. And it's like I tried to to learn that stuff and I tried to love it, and I just don't. <laughs> and, and that's okay. And that's totally fine. And it's like okay, maybe then I won't spend all my time uh, pre- preparing myself for. Uh, a, a developer job or in a video game company. No, it's like I'll, I'll spend my time doing something that I actually enjoy, and I enjoy the learning process about. Like I, right? I enjoy going to YouTube or going to the, my resources or my friends and and seeing what they're doing production wise, and and that's and that's then what I do. That's it's easy then, and there definitely still is a um, an aspect to where you have to a little bit set a fire under yourself to, to get going. I think especially nowadays, it's easy to sort of just relax and to watch Netflix and to relax and just hang out because sure. the life as a musician is not, not stressful. It, it's stressful to say the least, but uh, I think to create 
routine for yourself uh, and to create habits uh, to make it easier for yourself to go to your desk, start working. I think that's those are those are good guidelines to to work by because it's not always easy. But but yeah, 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 yeah. And you know what you're talking about is just honoring honoring who you are and like what your your natural strengths and preferences are. Mm-hmm. And um, right, that's that's solid. It, you know, if you can live in that space and, like you say, like, stay happy with what you're doing, focus on what you have influence over, mm-hmm. um, and then also still, like, develop the habits and discipline to to work really hard. Yeah. Um, that is a recipe for success, however you define it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think keeping keeping your mental health in check is if not the most important thing about this industry. Cause I, I see a lot of people that burn themselves out um, mm-hmm. and that just leave the industry altogether. Um, uh, friends that have come to LA that have graduated from Berkeley, which is not a cheap institution uh, that spend two to three years here working a job that they don't love and are sacrificing so much of their life over. <laughs> That's not fun. And I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would also be burned out at the end of that. I think whatever you can do to still enjoy life, <laughs> I think is like huge. I think people forget about that because it's for me, music started as a hobby, you know, and it's, it started out as something that that's what I did to keep my mental health in check and to have an emotional outlet. Um, but now that it's my job, it's not, that's not always its function anymore. It's, Hmm. You know, I am, I am constantly working on improving myself and that isn't leisure activity. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I think mental health is number one important thing here, especially in LA where there's so many talented people and social media plays a huge part in that. Um, yeah, I think that's, yeah, vitally important. Fantastic. Yeah. So, a of, um, what's that? A little bit of a tangent there. A little bit of a... No, yeah. Yeah, but all good stuff. So, if you had to... If someone's listening who is maybe, you know, where you were uh, however many, you know, six years ago when you were in high school thinking about what to do, or maybe someone who, where you were two years ago and thinking about, okay, now I'm going to be graduating out of college and, um, where do I go? What's my next step? Um, if you wanted, you know, to offer one little piece of wisdom from what you have kind of garnered, yeah, what, what would you share? Um, that's a really good question. It's interesting. It almost feels like looking back, I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> and I went to Berkeley and I, there was, there were some moments where at Berkeley, I was like, is this what I want to do? And like, I'm, I'm here now and I'm going to the classes and I'm learning the stuff. Is this actually what I want to do? And I think it's okay to be really honest with yourself there. And mm. even once you're there and you've made that commitment to go, it's, it's never too late to, to, to back out. I think it's like, you have to really, you have to, yeah, you have to be really honest with yourself. And I, and I, and I share that sentiment with a lot of the people I work with, um, especially at Berkeley where it's, it's very expensive to go to school there. And it's, 
I was very fortunate to have been able to study there, and let alone two degrees there. Um, but the first year there, it's you have to ask yourself, like, this is what I'll be doing for the rest of my life. Am I okay with that? <laughs> uh, and and the answer was yes. And I think there's no need to rush that process either. I think it should be pretty clear to you after a while. Like after your try making money off of it, just reach out to people, filmmakers, um, even now like podcast people. I mean, in high school, I never thought about podcasts, but people need music for podcasts. People need Mm -hmm. production for that stuff. And it's, it's a good industry and video games right now, like with VR, so many cool things you can get into these days. Uh, and it's only getting easier with the software that's being created. Um, so give it a shot. I think, um, do try being your own little entrepreneur, start charging people for work, uh, and never undersell yourself. And I think if you're able to do that for a year and to see if you like it, I think that'll give you a good indicator of like, yeah, I can, I can make this uh, a thing for myself. Uh, but there's definitely ups and downs. I also think to keep maybe even a journal or, or to just somehow keep track of your progress, because that's something I also forget about sometimes. It's like, I've been here for a year now. But to think back a year ago, like, I'm much further along I was one year ago. But wow. on the day-to-day basis, it's like, I mean, I'm not making any progress. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm still here working on the same queue. Haven't found that hook yet. And it's been three days. Like, should I just throw this out? Like, And there will definitely be days where, like, creative creativity hits you. And you feel good. And you feel confident. And this is like, yeah, this, this is who I am. But... There will be other weeks, if not months, where you're like, this is a drought and there's nothing going on and I suck at music. <laughs> uh, but you have to just sort of, yeah, I think keep knowing where you're, the, the progress you've made and where you're coming from, I think is also really important. I think that's huge. That was huge for me. Great. Well, it's been awesome chatting. And uh, just hearing you talk about what you do, I'm proud of you. Yeah. And um, and so how about for, for listeners who might want to hear some of your stuff, uh, where mm. would you send them to do that? Oh, yeah. Um, you can go to my website. It has sort of a, um, a curated selection of my work. Uh, it's www.jaspervandyke.com, um, V-A-N-D-I-J-K. And uh, that's where you'll find a lot of my, like, just just random pieces I've started uh, to podcasts I've done production for and to, and, um, and like, short films I've worked on. Oh, just general selection of stuff there. Yeah, come check it out. You're welcome. Great. Anytime. <laughs> Great. Tell your family I said hi. Will do. Thanks, Lee, for having me on. This was awesome. Good chatting with you. Thank you to Jasper Van Dyke for a fantastic interview. If you are in high school, like Jasper was when he and I started working together, or in college, or maybe even in the first part of your career, and thinking about what your next steps are in terms of working in the performing arts industry, check out my wayfinding programs at artsboundcareerdesign.com. Thanks for listening to the Artsbound podcast. Chris Lidecker composes our theme music. I'm Lee Savalixic. Until next time.